Okay, you got your Bibles? Let's make the devil really, really nervous. He doesn't like it when this comes out. Say, this is my Bible. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. And I am what it says I am. Father God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. Everything you put inside of me and my husband for this message. I ask right now that even though we've studied, that you would be in charge. Anoint my lips. May we truly glean from the word of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, this uh, message started in my hubby <clears throat> on vacay. What do pastors do on vacation? We, we go to church. We listen to sermons. It's just what we do. And uh, so this started on vacation, and he came home, and he was typing it all out. And he was so, so excited. And then he, he usually, then he gives it to me, and he goes, okay, now you do what you do on it. And so I worked for hours on it and so excited. And uh, this morning, as we were realizing we were dealing with some physical things, and uh, I looked at him and I said, you realize what I'm preaching this morning, right? And he goes, yes, I do. And it's not by accident. The enemy did not want this message out but you're going to deliver it. The title of the message is Faith to Favor. Everybody say favor. Faith to favor. You know, our life in Christ is not about different rooms. It's not about, um, you know, this little room is for a family. This little room is for my church box. This little room is about my Christian box. This little room is my my go-to-work box, it's not like that with God. Every room is what he wants to be a part of. Every hurt, every success, every failure, every heartache, he wants to be in every room of your life. God is a jealous God. You read that if you're, how many are going through the, the Bible this year where lots of us are on track going through the Bible? How many are on that journey of reading through the Bible this year? Okay. You can always pop in and join us if you'd like. There are bookmarkers on the info table if you want to join in. Um, we're, we're reading through the Bible. I, I'll just admit it. I'm your pastor. I'm behind. I'm not, because I get stuck sometimes. I'm, I start reading and then I like to study out what I'm reading and so then I'm like, I don't get to, but you know, that's okay. You know, if you're behind, that's okay. You know, as long as you're reading. And so sometimes I'm, I'm like right now I'm in Leviticus. <laughs> I'm kind of trying to do a speed read. Anybody else like to do a speed read through Leviticus? <laughs> kind of like, whoa. But I've gotten a few nuggets even out of Leviticus, you know. Um, and uh, so... Oh, I could go there, but I won't. But our faith does not work well when God is not in every room of your life. If he's only in a certain part, you're going to find you're struggling. 
Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart. Everybody say all. He didn't say just one little room, just this little section, all of your heart, all of your soul. Do you know where your soul is? Right here. He wants to, he wants to be part of your thinking. He wants to be in your mind and all of your mind. If he's, there's a little saying that, that Pastor Greg and I say, if he's not God of all, he's not God at all. He wants to be God of all of you. Now, we're going to Hebrews 11.6. We're going to find out that he actually wants to bless you and reward you. What? Okay, here we go. Hebrews 11.6, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Okay, we could stop right there. It is impossible to please him without faith. Faith is you are firmly persuaded that what he has said is true. So if you're not firmly persuaded this morning that what he has said is true, then you're, you're struggling with the, the part here of pleasing God. Wow, I just dropped a bomb, didn't I? Okay, but let's keep going. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and, everybody say and, that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It says that you've got to believe it that he actually re wants to be a rewarder. It's not enough to hear me tell you that the Bible says that. You have to actually believe that he wants to reward you. That's called faith. Now, salvation is accepting God's love and receiving his sacrifice. That is salvation. But favor, you might want to write this down. This is just a good statement. Favor is dependent on your faithfulness in obedience to him. I'll say it again. Favor is dependent on on your faithfulness in obedience to him. I'm going to make a statement here, and I think my trusty media people even have it on the screen. I would write this quote down. Your faith in God leads you to being faithful to God, and that's when you experience the favor of God. Can you say it with me? You've got it right on the screen, don't you? There you go. Here, say it with me. Your faith in God leads you to being faithful to God, and that's when you experience the favor of God. I, uh, over the years, I have walked with God many years. I've gone through heartache with him. I've gone through successes with him. I've been on the mountaintop with him. I've been in the valley with him. There is no one closer to me than the Holy Spirit, and that includes my husband of 35 years. I adore my husband. He is the best in, I'm sorry, I got the best one. I just, I'm sorry for all of you, I got the best husband. Yeah, some of you agree, thank you. <laughs> but outside of my husband, he's not number one in my life, and he knew that from the day he married me. I, I told him that. 
you're not number one and you never will be number one. The Holy Spirit is number one in my life. And the Holy Spirit has gotten me through a lot. He's helped me succeed and he's helped me through the times when I didn't think I could put one foot in front of the other. And here's what I have seen is this statement. Put it back up again. My belief in God and my faith in God led me to be faithful. I have been faithful to the house of God since I was a little girl. I say I have an addiction. I really do. And it's an addiction I'm not looking to recover from. I am addicted to church. I love the house of God. I love coming together with other believers and worshiping together. I love being able to hug people. I love to be able to just enjoy the corporate presence of God. I love the teaching of the word. I love everything about church. I love the events too. I love getting together and laughing my head off with y'all. But my belief in God led me to be faithful to God. And that's when you experience the favor of God. You know, in the midst of whatever, I have seen the favor of God. I saw the favor of God just even on vacation. I, can, I see it everywhere I go. I see it when I show up at a line and there's no line and I'm just getting my stuff. And as soon as I leave, the line is like out the door. And I look back and I go, do you see that? I see it everywhere I go because I'm looking for it because I believe it. I truly believe in the favor of God. I look for it and I find it. Now, I'm going to go through five examples of a person who their faith led them to be faithful and their faithfulness led them to favor. And I'm going to start with Moses. Hebrews 11:24. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeing pleasures of sin or the fleeting. Verse 26, he thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. Now, I've made a little sketch for you. Let's go to the Moses sketch. Thank you. So here we have his faith and faithfulness, and then on the other side, we're going to see God's favor. First of all, Moses decided to live a pure life. He led a life of purity, which led him to special relationships. Let's go to the next one. He sacrificed comfort. Do you remember that he was being raised in the, the palace? Do you remember all that? That he got that opportunity from a young child. God saved his life. And then he was raised in all the pleasures. And we're talking when you're raised in a palace, you've got the finest foods. You've got the finest clothing. You've got the choice pick of whoever and whatever you want. But he sacrificed that to do the will of God. To save God's people. Keep going to the next one. He lost wealth. He was a wealthy man while he was in the palace. He was the, the son, considered the, the adopted son. He, was, he had it all. He could have whatever and whenever he wanted. But he gave that up to become the hero. And, I mean, he is one of the heroes of the Bible. 
He saved God's people. He saved the Israelites. Let's go to the next one. He gave up a title to become one of the world-renowned greatest leaders. See, that's called he had faith in God, which led him to be faithful, which led him to have favor. I've seen this over and over and over again. You see it in, in people's lives. Sometimes you wonder, how come they have all the favor? Well, probably because they're faithful to God. Probably because they've learned how to walk this out. It doesn't mean that your life's going to always have no problems. The Bible says you're, you're fooling yourself if you think you're never going to have problems. It doesn't mean that, but what it does mean is that he's going to help you through every problem that you have to face. He is with you. And because he is with you in every problem you have to face, you're going to turn out seeing the favor of God. Oh. You know, it used to be when I was a teenager, I would pray, God, give me wisdom beyond my ears. I mean, I can't count how many times I prayed that. Even in as a young adult, God, God, give me wisdom beyond my ears. Now, you know, I've hit that kind of, you know, well, I'll just say middle age, <clears throat> that, that time of life when I'm like, can I still pray that? And I do. Because I don't care how old I get, I'm going to say, God, give me wisdom beyond my ears. Because I am aware that I serve a massive, infinite, amazing God who knows far beyond my finite brain. And I need it. I don't know about you, but I need it. I need the wisdom. Okay, let's go to a man named Noah. How many remember Noah? Noah built an ark. Noah built an ark. Tough crowd. Okay. <clears throat> Verse 7 in Hebrews 11. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. By faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. Okay, here's Noah who's doing something that has never been done before. He's building this massive boat when there's no rain in sight, no water in sight. Have you ever driven by a house? There used to be one here locally. I bet if you live here long enough, you know where I'm talking. There was a big, massive boat that had been built in their backyard, and they didn't realize, I'm seeing some heads, they didn't realize when they built it that they weren't going to figure out how to get it out of their backyard. Anybody know where I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Okay, there's a few hands. You know where I'm talking about. It was hilarious, and my husband and I would drive by this boat all the time and be like, hmm, wonder how they're getting that out of there. And finally, it made the news. It made the news, like, they had to figure out how to get this boat out of a backyard. Well, I'm sure when Noah was building his boat that a lot of people thought, you are nuts. There's no water around. How are you ever going to even use that boat? I mean, Right? The criticism, criticism had to be intense, but he had belief in God and faith in God when it looked like you're stupid. 
Have you ever had to do something that looked stupid in the natural? So let's go to our first one. He had to change his priorities. I'm sure building a boat was not on the top of his list. That was not his priority, but he changed his priorities, and because of that, he saved all of his family's life because of his faithfulness. He had, he had faith in God, which led him to be faithful, which led him to save lives. Okay, then he had to invest money. Has anybody not thought about that part, that it took money to do what he did? He had to buy lumber. He had to do all that. Have you ever thought about that? He invested money to build this massive boat that everybody thought he was nuts of. Sometimes the kingdom of God, the money that we invest in the kingdom of God, might be like, you're doing what? But you're being faithful to what God has told you to do. And because he invested money, well, there we have it. He saved his family. The next one, mocked by culture. (laughs) Anybody ever feel like everybody's like, you are a what? You believe what? You actually believe the Bible? Anybody ever had that happen to you? Yes, I actually do believe the Bible. But you might be mocked. It's Now, here in America, we're pretty go whatever you want to do is your business. That's not the case in all countries. And it is becoming a little more not so lovely even in this country. But in a lot of countries, they are underground for a reason. Because their life depends on it. You've been blessed to live in America where you don't know about some of those things. But there are some things happening in America, and I know they were, some of them were pointed out two weeks ago by, by Aaron Laser of what actually is going on in America where you are suffering somewhat for and being mocked for what you believe. Let's go to a man named Abraham. Remember Abraham? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. None of you know this, name, this song? I'm just curious how many know that song. Okay, there's more of you than I thought. You didn't even join in and help me. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, right arm, left arm. I told you I was raised in the church. What can I say? Okay. Verse 8. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. Well, I could stop right there. Us women would be like, "Uh uh-uh, no way, Jose. Where are you taking me, husband? I am not just leaving. I am guilty. I have read that verse a million times and thought, that poor wife. I, I don't know that I could have done it. I would have, I, I, I'm just too, uh, caloric. Do you know what that word means? I am too much of a, give me all the deets. I want to know too, because I want to be on the same page as you. Just to say, uh, honey, we're going, and I have no clue where we're going, would not really have worked for me. I would have really had to go back to that faith, faithfulness thing. I would have really had to have some heart-to-heart with God. Like, you want to what? 
Okay, but but that but here it is. It's in black and white. You're reading it too. He went without knowing where he was going. And when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there how? By faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently, everybody say confidently, confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Man, I don't know about you, but I read that and I can almost feel the heart of Abraham. Like, it wasn't just even about him anymore. It was about future generations. I don't know about you, but have you ever gotten to the place in your life where you, it's not even all about you anymore? It's about to the future. It's about for future generations. God has really been putting a lot on my heart about things that I am planting now that isn't even for me. It's for somebody in the future. And I said, yes, sir, God, I will, because it's not all about me. It's about future generations. It's about other people. you got to get to that place. And Abraham, you see his heart here. He was like, this is for, for, for generations to come. It's still about generations to come. We're still reading about how we are a part of Abraham. Wow. Okay, so let's go to Abraham's diagram. So he left his country, and then we see that he did have a very, very blessed family, right? Okay, let's go to the next one. Then left his extended family because he wanted to be right with God. Has God ever asked you to leave your extended family? I was, while we were in Florida, we got to be with some extended family. It was so wonderful. Um, it was with um, Pastor Greg's brother's family their kids. And I'm telling you, just listening to God's stories coming out of them and what God is doing in their lives. And they did, they left their mom and dad, they left them back in Texas to move to Florida. And that was not on the plan. They wanted to be near mom and dad. But when God tells you to go, you need to obey God. And just hearing how their faithfulness led to favor was absolutely overwhelming. I mean, with the story after story of them telling of, well, God did this for us, and God did that for us, and God did this for us, just because we said yes. I'm telling you, faithfulness is a big deal to God. It's not your salvation. I started with that, and I want to keep reiterating that. What you do as far as faithfulness to God does not determine your salvation of eternal life. But it does determine your favor here on earth. Okay, um, back to Abraham. No, we're on. I lost my place. Okay, left his family relationship with God. Next one, surrendered his son. Y'all remember Isaac? And God asked him, are you willing to give up your one and only son? And he was. And what was, then we go to over this side. Because of that, he had even greater success and greater uh, wealth. Next one, he left his business. Abraham was a businessman. He left it, and then he had protection against his enemies. Wow. Next one, tithed. 
We see in, even in the Old Testament where Abraham tithed. He gave to God the first 10%. And then what happened? He is the world-changing legacy which led to Christ, to Jesus Christ. Okay, we're going on to David. Y'all doing okay? Okay, here we go. David, we're going to verse 32. We're in Hebrews 11 still. Verse 32. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, Daniel. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Remember I told you it's not always easy? Are you, are you reading what I'm reading? I mean, you're kind of like, huh? Escaped by sword? Then weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle, and they put the whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. Wow. Uh, our faith is not a private faith. I know sometimes the world would like to tell you that. But by faith, public faith, they overthrew kingdoms. By faith, these people changed the course of history. Their faith in God led them to obey and be faithful to God, which caused God to empower them to accomplish what was many times otherwise impossible. All right, let's look at David up on the screen. So, he had to fight God's enemy, which led him to immeasurable wealth. If you've read King David, he was a wealthy, wealthy king. Are y'all tracking with the same David I'm tracking? Okay, wealthy king. Uh Re led revenge to God. In other words, he gave up revenge, which he could have very likely been tempted to have. He gave that up and said, God, you are the one that will do the avenging, not me. And in return for that, he had a reputation of honor. I mean, when somebody's trying to kill you, most people want to, like, defend themselves back? Have you ever been in a situation where God told you don't defend yourself, just be silent? I've had that happen multiple times, and it is not a fun thing to do when God tells me to do that. I don't like, I don't like to be silent any more than you do. But there are times when God just tells you, and you're just silent. And you say, God, you got my reputation. I'm not going to say anything. You know, many times, I'm just going to give you the practical side of that. Many times God tells you to be silent because all that person is looking for is a debate and a war. And I'm going to get real practical for you. This happens a lot on social media. People are just looking for a fight. They, they really don't even want to prove you right or wrong. They're just looking for a fight. And if you start defending yourself on social media, many times it, it ain't going to go well. Silence is sometimes your best policy. Now, I agree there's a time to stand up for and speak forth what is right. And that goes right along with what Aaron Elazer preached two, two Sundays ago. 
But there's other times when people just want an argument for argument's sake. Don't, don't fall into that trap. You know, Jesus didn't even fall into that trap. Jesus, they were, those Sadducees and those Pharisees were trying to fall into, get him into that trap so many times. This isn't a new thing. You do realize that. Now, social media might be new of how we see it displayed in front of you, but it wasn't a new thing. It was happening clear back in Jesus' time. And I, you know what I love when you start reading and studying Jesus? Instead of falling into that trap of defending himself, he would just turn it around with a question on him. What a great idea. When somebody's trying to get you, just, just turn it into a question and turn it back on them. That was freebie. Okay. Back to David. <coughs> okay, persevere in doing good. Man, I mean, I, you read his story and you're just like, dude, you rock. Which gave him an amazing family legacy. Then he honored God with his wealth. You know, he became so wealthy, but he honored God and his wealth. And what happened? He became a very successful king, didn't he? Okay, I got to go to another one. Daniel. Daniel fought the, remember the, the lion's den? I'm taking you back to, you know, remember the, all the big roaring lions? Do you guys read your Bible? Are you alive this morning? Do you need more coffee? Daniel. Daniel was the one that, remember, they weren't supposed to pray. And Daniel said, I don't care. I'm going to pray. And he even prayed. I've always wondered, like, did you have to open all the windows and the stuff to, watch, to make everybody see, you know? Could you have just prayed with the door shut? But Daniel was making a point. And he obeyed even under a death penalty. We end up seeing that God saved him and he had favor with kings. There's favor with kings, right? Right behind me, yep. Uh, then he risked his career and all of his wealth. And he risked it, and what did God do? Elevated him in honor, elevated him in the kingdom. Do you remember when uh, he had the opportunity of having all the yummy foods? That's why we, many of us do the Daniel fast in January, because he had the opportunity, and he said, no, I'm going to go on fruits and vegetables for 21 days instead of all your desserts. And let's see who's strong and let's see who's weak. God gave him great wealth as a result of that. So, favor followed faithfulness in these five people. We see them totally convinced of what God could do. They were totally convinced. I mean, thoroughly and totally convinced. And then uh, we see God rewarding them. I want to go to Mark. We're going out of Hebrews 11. We're going to go to Mark chapter 10, verse 29. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or mothers or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, property. Now, he had, to add, he had to add this, didn't he? Along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. Jesus said, you will have all these things. There will be some 
hard times along the way. Church, not just as your pastor, but honestly as your friend, faithfulness to God always pays off. Faithfulness to God. It may not always seem like it when you go through a persecution or a hard thing or a heartache, but it always pays off. I want to give you, before we leave, four tools to build your faith to move into experiencing the favor of God. Four tools to build your faith to help you experience the favor of God. Number one, make faith deposits. Make faith deposits. You cannot withdraw what you have not deposited. How many have found that out in the banking? You cannot take out of the bank if you've never put anything in the bank. It works the same with God. You've got to believe God. You've got to be able to be faithful to God. You've got to be able to know how to, to put into something to be able to withdraw. You know, the more you believe, you will find the more your belief grows. Now, you're probably not going to, if you're, if you're at, let's say you're at this itty bitty 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 little faith right now. You're like, I'm about right there. Okay? You're not going to want to believe God for something that is massive over here. You might want to start with something that's about at this level. Are you all following me? Once you get to this level believing God, then you might be able to believe for something around this level. When you get to this level, you might be able to believe God for something about this level. Are you following me? But you're beginning to grow. You're beginning to stretch. But if you're down here believing for that, you're going to have a hard time. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. And you grow from faith to faith, from glory to glory. you got to learn how to grow. you got to learn how to stretch. Some of you may have walked with God for years, but that does not mean you're at that level. Are you following me? I know people who have walked with God their whole life, and they're in their older years, and they're still down here. That's a sad thing, but it's a reality. I know other people who have been saved for just a few years, and they begin to learn how to grow and be faithful, and they were going boom, booty, boom, booty, boom, booty, boom. And I'm just like, wow, look at them go. You've seen it too. You can grow as fast as you want to grow, but that is up to you. It's up to you. Where do you want to be in life? Where do you want to be on your journey? You know, David didn't just kill Goliath immediately. He had already killed a lion, a bear first. I don't know about you, but I haven't really wrestled with a bear and a lion yet. Really hasn't been my thing. But he was already 
confident that God could be with him and help him. He had confidence that he'd already killed a lion. He'd already killed a bear. Who cares if this guy's nine feet something? I got you too. Who cares if I'm like an itty-bitty little guy? He did not have the little man syndrome. He had the God syndrome. I might need to say that again because I'm really short. Got my heels on today to help me out. I could have the little woman syndrome. Do you know what that is? Like, I got you. No, I don't got nothing. Without Christ, I am nothing. But with Christ, I'm about 10 feet tall. So David was a little short dude. But he knew, I, I can take on a giant because I have God and I have been faithful to him, therefore I have favor. Okay, number two. So number one was what again? Make faith deposits. Number two, document God's faithfulness. You've heard it once, you're going to hear it a gazillion times from Pastor Greg and I. Journal. Write stuff down if not even for you, for the next generation to read. Somebody's going to pick that up someday. My parents are both in heaven now. I have picked up things from my mom and been so blessed to read about God's faithfulness. Many, many years ago, my husband's family, mom and dad are sitting right there, they jotted down in a book for us the faithful stories of God. Why? Because we're leaky vessels and we forget. We can't remember everything. And so they begin to jot down the stories. And I remember when Grandma, Grandma uh, Richards was still here, she said to me, write it down because someday you won't be here to share, but somebody will read it. It not only blesses you to see where God was actually faithful to you because we forget. And it's kind of like I shared in ministry time about the donut. Many times we forget and all we see is the hole in the donut. We don't see the goodness of God circling it. We want to focus on the hole. We want to focus on that. When God's faithfulness and goodness was surrounding you. But we forget. Write it down. Number three. I love this one. Focus on the size of God, not the size of the problem. So here's a question for every one of you and those watching. How big is your God? How big is your God? My God is so big, I don't even have arms to, 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 to describe it. That's my God. How big is your God? My God is faithful. I have seen him in my life over and over and over again. In order to do that, you're going to have to do something right here between your ears. You're going to have to control your thought life. You're going to have to renew your mind. 
in order to focus on the size of your God versus the size of your problem, you have to do something right here. Do you guys remember the story in the Bible about the 12 spies that were sent into the promised land? And do you remember that 10 of them came back and said, we are like grasshoppers in their sight. We will never be able to take over this kingdom. This is too big. Do you remember this story? And do you remember there were two that came back and said, oh, the size of my God is so big that there is no way we won't miss. We can totally do this. It was just a matter of here, wasn't it? It was all about what was going on in their thought life. Your thought life determines your future. And many of them said, I have enough faith in how big my God is. I'm going to be faithful to God, and I'm going to see the favor of God. And those two did see the favor of God, didn't they? But the ten that said, "Uh uh-uh, no way, they never got to experience the favor, did they? In fact, God declared, you won't. Because you could not believe. Because you decided the problem was too big. Because you decided the heartache was too much. Because you decided that, that's your fate. That's a harsh reality, but that is truth today, people. That is truth I'm giving you. That is a harsh reality. But you decide your future. You can either decide, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to get stuck. I'm going to live this way. Nothing ever goes right for me. Boo-hoo, so is me. You can live that way, and you'll stay stuck that way. I am begging you, get out of it and look at the size of your amazing Abba Heavenly Father who has circled you over and over and over and over again. But all you could do was see, see the, I'm the victim, what was me? I have my blinders on. No, get freedom. Freedom, believe in the size of your God. Last one. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Tune into voices that inspire and tune out voices of complaining. Tune into voices that inspire. Who do you listen to? Are you stuck on the, the news channel that is gloom and doom? Who are your friends? Do you have the friends that whine and complain? Or do you have the fl- friends who say, come on, honey, let's get this done? Who are your friends? Do you have friends that inspire you? Or do you have friends that go, yeah, poor you? Tough love friends. Friends who will pray for you through the thick and thin. Friends who will say, you got this. Come on. Get up. Get up. You can do this. Who are your friends? Do you know even Jesus, when he healed uh, Jairus' daughter, Do you remember he all of a sudden said, I want you out of here? Why did he tell people to leave? Because he didn't want any lack of faith in the room. He didn't want the naysayers. He didn't want the people going, oh, so I'm so sorry for you. He's like, get out of here. I got to have faith in this place. 
you might be, if you're in the biggest battle of your life, you need to watch who you hang out with. If you're in the biggest battle of your life, watch who you hang out with. Because you need some faith friends around you. People who are going to say, honey, I hear you. I love you. I am praying for you. Let's get through this. You've got to have someone in your life like that. Because life will give you some boo-boos. Life will give you some ouches. Life will give you some man that hurts to the core. I had a conversation with someone in the last two weeks, and they were talking about how one of the things they'd gone through where it hurt their heart so much they wished they just could have had a broken, you know, and we even talked about it, a broken back, because my husband has broken his back. They're like, I, there are some things in life that hurt so bad you wish you could just break a bone instead. That is the reality. That is where we live. And if you haven't lived long enough for that, things do happen where it hurts right here so bad. And you're like, whew, this is overwhelming pain. I know there's many of you in this room that know exactly the pain I'm talking about. But I'm here to tell you that your Holy Spirit has been with you during that tremendous pain. The Holy Spirit is trying to wrap himself around you through tremendous pain. He's saying, I'm there for you. Look up. I'm going to end with this verse, 2 Chronicles 16, 9. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He's looking because he wants to strengthen you. Are you fully committed? Are you all in? Would you stand with me? Just bow your heads before God. The Holy Spirit's already in this room. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you, Holy Spirit for your amazing your amazing message that you put in Craig and I God I will always be faithful to you and I thank you that the favor will always surround me I thank you for each one in this place right now that you are wooing, that you are calling by name, that you are saying, I'm here. My hand is extended. Father, I ask that today I'd reach to you. My husband usually counts to three. If you need to make your heavenly Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit number one in your life, I want you to raise your hands towards heaven. We're going to pray together, all of us, a prayer. Raise your hands. Yes, I see that hand. I love it. You didn't even wait till I got to three. <laughs> You're like, that's me. Those of you watching online, is that you? You want to join these people? We're going to pray. 
so that you can get right with God. Church, would you pray this prayer with them? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the precious blood of Jesus that forgives me where I've fallen short of your best. I ask today that you would be front and center, not only Savior, but Lord, completely in charge. I give every room of my life to you, the broken and the pretty, all of it, it's yours. And I thank you for your precious blood that forgives me today in Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed. I believe there's also a cry going out for believers. You're walking with God. But something needs to change. And God was tugging at your heart during the message. I don't know what that is for you. Maybe some of you it's stop focusing on the problem. Maybe some of you it's quit hanging out with certain people. I don't know. But what I do know is that you don't want to leave here without deciding from God that you're going to change it. So I want you also to lift your hands towards heaven as a sign of God. That's me. I heard you loud and clear, and I'm going to change it. Father, I thank you for many hands all over. And I thank you that as they are submitting their lives to you and saying, God, that's me, I choose to change that. God, I ask that you would give them the wisdom and the strength to stay faithful. And I thank you for the favor on your people, exceedingly abundantly above all that they could ask or think. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.